a good day to you. You're listening to Jenny Knipp for Author. You may be relaxing with a cup of tea or coffee, traveling, crafting, working, or exercising. Whatever the case may be, I'm so glad you chose to spend your time with me. for joining me today on Jenny Knipp for Author. Um, today I'm going to talk a little bit about drama. <laughs> drama in life and drama in books. Um, in life, we rarely appreciate drama. A lot of people that I've talked to over the years or you look on Facebook and you know there's just a lot of drama and everybody you know says they don't want drama in their life. Um, but but somehow we want it in our entertainment. <laughs> so it's a little bit incongruent about with that, um, why that is so. But um, that's what makes an interesting story. You know, you're led to, you have these, maybe if you say it's a romance, you have these two people, they get to know each other. Um, there's some tension on and off. Then they're doing good, then something intervenes and they're not doing good. Oh, then they come back and then you're led to a precipice when all hope is lost. And then somehow, you know, you you are you're saved, they're saved, and they get together and it's a happy ending. Um, it's just strange how that is interesting, I guess. It's it's in a way it's it's difficult for me to write because it seems like the same old story over and over again. Um, and I really don't care for romance per se. So in my books I like to have more of a deeper plot, you know, revolving some kind of crisis point, you know, internally or some outward crisis, you know, like a a storm or some other influence like um, disease or something that comes to um, interrupt the character's life and the book just doesn't rely on the drama of romance um, you know I know romance has to be in there people enjoy romance and of course I do enjoy it in my own life um, but it's not particularly what at the heart of what I want to write about I guess so um, in in my books, I try to, you know, it's it's actually fun to <laughs> create the character's story and um, you know what twists and turns are going to happen. And sometimes it totally surprises me, and I don't really realize where it's going at all um, until I get there. <laughs> sometimes I have it a little mapped out, and then uh, it's usually half and half. Have it kind of plotted out uh, with a rough outline. And then I leave it up to the characters to fill in the details. And, and sometimes the details change, you know, sometimes that, that, um, that point changes and it's really hard to describe. I don't really, I don't really know how it happens. It just, I'll be writing a, and then all of a sudden the story will take a totally different direction. I'm just going to take a quick drink here. And that's exactly how it happened um, with the book that I'll be publishing, publishing next, Harvest Moon. It's the fourth in the series of the my By the, By the Light of the Moon series. 
all of my books in the series can be read independently. A lot of people think, oh my gosh, they're in a series. I have to read the first one first. And that's not really the case, especially with this last book, because it's actually working as a prequel for um, the whole series. Um, I'm gonna, I don't know, I learned a little bit from like, you know, uh, the Narnia Chronicles or Star Wars there where I kind of go backwards and get people interested again in, in a story. But um, one, of, one of my favorite characters in the whole series is, her name is Mangikwe and she's an Ojibwa woman. Her, her name means Lone Woman, and um, I really appreciate her. She's She surprised me with her wisdom, but I knew that wisdom had to come from a deeper place. And often wisdom comes from a place of pain that we've gone through, and, and her story really surprised me. But I don't want to focus on that today. I want to focus on um, a little bit of the drama in my book. Silver Moon, which is a World War I um, historical fiction book set in the um, early uh, 1900s um, during the time, of course, of World War I. And it's set from Canadian, the Canadian perspective um, primarily because um, I started writing, you know, my, my fictional town is in Canada, in Ontario, and then I had to learn about gosh, what was Canada's role in the war, which I didn't, I knew diddly squat about. So it was a, it was, it was an awesome learning experience for this book. And, and I really hope that I did a, a, the best job that I could have done in portraying the historical facts. But in this portion of the book, I'm just going to read a little segment. Um, the main character is Lewis. You hear from him in a first person perspective in more of a present timeline and a third person perspective that eventually catches up. There are a lot of characters in this book, um, but they all have a part to play in the plot. Um, and and you'll, you'll come to see that as you, as you read. Um, but for now, I'm focusing on Lewis and he is into the war. He, he's um, persuaded into being a spy. Um, and so in this portion, he's met He's done some things spy-related already. I'm kind of in the almost the middle of the book, and he's in this little scene where he's supposed to be gaining information, and he's supposed to be checking his one French contact he has um, to make sure that he is not uh, a double agent, so to speak. So, so here we are, and we're just going to jump in. September 1915, Givet, France. Since his advancement closer to the front lines, Lewis had had to leave off getting his directives through the baker in Mertz. He continued to use the drop from time to time in the public house in Sedan, but for the most part he used Gretchen as the avenue through which information flowed. Being stationed close to Givet allowed him to slip into the dairy on official business, presenting an unsuspicious cover. It also set up a secret meeting place in the copse of trees halfway between the dairy and his regiment and it was where he had met her tonight. You're to watch him, Gretchen said. We don't know for sure if he's divulging information to the Germans, but if you find he is, Lewis swallowed. It was a dirty business, this being a spy. He watched Gretchen search his face in the moonlight, her eyes icy pinpoints. Lewis could sense the anger she held toward the operative they discussed. Yeah, he assured her. Do what you must to gain his trust. I cannot get a feel for where his loyalties lie anymore. He has changed. 
My guess is now he's loyal to whomever forks out the most money. He's rather unreadable, but perhaps I'm just too close to the situation. Gretchen stood near him, sheltered by the needled arms of a giant fir tree, its woody citrus scent a comfort. Louis reached out for her suddenly and captured her in his arms. He was getting tired of the lies, the secrets, and the justified death sentences. He wanted to forget and take Gretchen somewhere safe from it all. But Louis could make out no possible way of escape that would leave him with his integrity intact. He'd given his word, and he wouldn't turn his back on his countrymen and their allies, who died in the trenches every day. A scowl drooped Gretchen's full lips. I want my country back, she grabbed Louis's arms. I want this all behind us. She paused and stared up at him, her eyes like a begging puppy's. We must do whatever it takes to make this happen. Then we can... She didn't finish and leaned back, putting some space between them. This damned war. Every day, Louis wished for it to end. Franco would make it seem like they were working for him. He, he chained me. He's good at being a spy. I would have never thought, never guessed. Her hands balled into fists by her side. Perhaps it's not true that he plays both sides. I would like to hope so, but something in my gut tells me he is. Gretchen laughed bitterly. <laughs> People you've looked up to should be trustworthy, true to their character and beliefs. But the longer I live, the more I realize people always disappoint you in the end. Louis didn't know if he agreed with her cynical view. He hoped she wouldn't lump him in such a category. He'll be at the farm. We, oui. your covers to pretend you will glean from their store of food crops for your troops. Yeah, I know what to do. Be careful, Gunther. Gretchen did not know his real name, nor he hers. Always. They lingered for some minutes in an embrace and went their separate ways, sticking to the shadows and the blanket of the night the next day. I'm here to take what is needed, you understand? Louis held a straight face as he commanded the men with him to confiscate several bushels of potatoes. But monsieur, we need this food. I will teach you about need. Louis growled out in his nastiest voice. He dragged the man by the arm behind the barn, away from the sight of the other men. Franco Dumas straightened his shirt and cravat. Very good, monsieur, very believable. I was told you had something for me. Louis sized up the man before him. Franco's looked lean, with wavy hair almost touching his shoulders. He sported a Merlot beret on his crown, wore a thin mustache on his upper lip, and had a practiced, solid gaze and an unshakable steadiness about him. Louis couldn't help instantly liking the man. Oui, but you must be be aware. <laughs> excuse me. Oui, but you must be aware, Monsieur. All is not as it seems. Louis narrowed his eyes. How's that? What is more convenient than a wartime love, eh? Frankos looked knowingly at Louis. Louis felt like the tables had turned. Frankos inspected him. He obviously must know about me and Gretchen, but does he know it's more than a cover? A believable cover, is it not? Frankos shrugged and lifted up his hands. Well, time will tell, but watch your back with that one, monsieur. Louis's estimation of the man decreased. Gretchen worked hard and loyalty ran in her veins, but he had to make it appear like he agreed with him. Frankos had been told Louis had requested a different contact, which was Louis's excuse to gauge Frankos's dealings. 
It's over anyway, I think, Louis shrugged. Frankos pained Louis down with his eyes and said nothing more about it. Your ear is needed. General Oberst Wagner is said to be headed this way with his plan to push westward. You need to find out the details. Do what you must to gain access to the information. Louis grimaced. It'll be tricky. I'm usually not privy to such meetings, and I highly doubt there will be files floating around. Find a way. Tja, Louis had practiced doing the impossible. Now, you must make it seem like we've had a tussle. Frankos turned his cheek toward Louis, the hard muscle in his jaw twitching under his skin. Louis hesitated but a moment before backhanding Frankos with some force. An immediate red mark rose to the surface of Frankos's cheek, accompanied by a light bleeding gash. Another. Frankos closed his eyes and turned his head back toward Louis, who obliged him with one more crack. Now, a performance for our audience, Frankos pointed back to the troop of Louis's men. Louis grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, verbally berating Frankos as he neared the men. When they made it back around the barn, Louis thrust Frankos ahead of him. Frankos then scurried away, pretending submission. While Frankos and Louis had been behind the barn, Louis's men had gathered the required quota of goods. Louis nodded to the men, turned on his seal, resumed his seat in the truck, and thought about how he'd access the secret plans of General Oberst Wagner while being chauffeured away. It would take some clever scheming. He had never thought he'd be using his creative abilities for spying, but then one could never truly know what depths one might be requested to dive into. Thanks so much for listening. Um, that's one scene of his um, spy exploits, so to speak. I'm just going to take another sip. So the Gretchen in the story is um, also a spy. She's a French nationalist and she's working with Louis to kind of filch out some information and um, working together, they uh, naturally develop a, a relationship and, and much more drama is to come and the tables get turned and some things happen and <laughs> then something else develops. So I don't want to ruin the story for you, but that's just a little tidbit and a taste of a portion of the drama, not necessarily relying on romantic um, drama, but um, his life as a spy and what happens there. Um, I, when I first started writing this and I and I turned him into spy, a spy, I was very leery because I wasn't sure I could do it. Um, you know, I I've never read a lot of spy novels, um, but I ended up watching some things that helped me uh, a drama and. And I really thought about it and um, it just kind of came to me. So I, so far, those that I've read it have really, have really appreciated that portion of the story and his involvement in it and, and thought it believable. So, so that's a good sign. <laughs> so um, thank you for listening to me um, and discussing drama today. And I hope you like this portion of Silver Moon. Right now it's still only $2.99 on Amazon for Kindle and 12 something for the paperback. Um, so we will talk again soon. Thanks for listening.
Welcome to the review portion of Shannon Kinnip for Author Podcast. This is where I give reviews of books that I've read um, by independent authors or otherwise that I've loved or not loved. to tell you about a few books that I've read recently. Um, one that was a favorite is All the Flowers in Paris by Sarah Geo. I really enjoyed that and ended up ordering a couple more books by her. Um, hadn't heard of her before as an author and it was one that I saw somebody had posted about on Instagram. It's one reason I really enjoy Instagram is because I'm able to connect with other people that like to read the same type of books that I do. Um, which is primarily historical fiction. Once in a while, I will vary from that genre, but um, for the most part, that's what I really enjoy reading and, of course, writing. <laughs> so, um, but the All the Flowers in Paris follows uh, in a split timeline two different women, um, one during World War II and one uh, later on, and how their lives connect and, and what happens for <laughs> for her to keep Carolyn is the one in the in the current um, time period and um, it's how she oh gosh manages in the face of losing her memory from an accident and 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 how that all works out in the end um, and in the other um, the young woman is trying desperately to um, keep her father's business alive they run a flower shop and and also to safeguard her daughter um, in the midst of uh, you know the Nazis purging of Paris um, with from the from the um, those of Jewish descent and so um, she's actually becomes uh, a captive so to speak of a Nazi uh, officer and and what results from that it's a it's a bit of a heartbreaking story but um, you know poignant but but very meaningful and and if you enjoy um, you know wartime fiction I would I would highly recommend that so again the book is all the flowers in Paris by Sarah Gio I don't know if I'm saying her last name right I think it's G-I-O um, but anyway, I, I recommend her as an author. The other two books I've read recently, um, both new authors to me, is um, Beatrice Williams. I read uh, her A Hundred Summers. Um, there was a, another book I read by her combined with two other authors, Karen White and Lauren Willig, that I really enjoyed. And you can find um, that review on my blog, Jen and Knipfer. Um, dot com slash blog and so I, I didn't know what she wrote like as an individual so I, I purchased this book in one other um, by her it was a new release I believe um, this one called a hundred summers was very well written <laughs> it was really you know very well written the story was um, you know very <sighs> kept you interested I should say <clears throat> um, and it's about Lily uh, is one of the main characters and and her family in um, in, Ro in Rhode Island 
<clears throat> where they live and in her relationship with a past friend her name is Budgie I can't even remember her real name um, but that's her nickname and the kind of strange friendship and almost ends up being a kind of a twisted friendship in the end and what happens between them and both of their love interests end up you know twisting and turning and falling on their heads and it's kind of a you know cataclysmic um romance so to speak and and it uh, coincides with you know some devastating um natural events that occur in the region and um, it really was a good book you know as far as the story um something i didn't appreciate it about it was um there was a lot of sex and descriptive sex um <clears throat> i don't usually find that so much in um historical fiction and to me this book was more romance uh, than historical fiction so that was a little bit of a disappointment for me even though it was set you know in the 1930s um, primarily but um, and then also a lot of language so I wouldn't say a lot but I would say midpoint for language and I tend not to appreciate that in my books especially taking God's name in vain I don't care for that at all so um, I probably will not read another one by her even though it was a very well written book the next book that i read recently um totally unrelated um unknown author to me is terashe nesbitt um <clears throat> this one is called beheld and it takes place during um 10 years after the mayflower pilgrims have arrived uh on, on soil on the, on the U.S. and it certainly presents a different tale of the pilgrims than you would ever hear probably um, kind of a darker perspective and in a way I appreciated that because I think often you know especially as children we're taught you know how the pilgrims you know came here for freedom and and how they survived and how the Indians helped them but there was really a lot of terrible things that happened and especially in relationship to them and the Indian population um, so that was good um, one of the main things I did not care for about in this book was the editing style there were absolutely no quotation marks in, throughout the whole book so when someone spoke it was in italics but but then you didn't know if that was actually someone's inner thoughts, or are they speaking out loud, or something happened in the past. So it was really confusing. I didn't care for it at all, and whoever chose to make that editing, editing uh, difference, uh, I just I didn't appreciate, and I don't care to read another book that way. So I, yeah, I didn't like that at all. So it really turned me off on this book. The other thing I didn't, quite care for is there's kind of some strange perspectives in the book so there's it's written in um, several different perspectives and once in a while she throws in this like random perspective and I'm wondering what does this have to do with the storyline and who is this person anyway so I don't know I, you know I usually read at night before I go to bed so I don't know if it was tired and like missed something but that was a little odd um, you know her author voice I appreciated is original and maybe a little raw which I kind of like um, but 
again, the editing thing just ruined it for me. I just don't want to read another book without quotation marks. You wouldn't think that would make such a difference in your reading, but some of those, you know, little editing choices really make a big difference. So, um, but you know, for someone who that doesn't matter a whole lot to, you may you may enjoy this book. It's again, again, it's called Beheld by Tara Shea Nesbitt. So thank you so much for listening to my little um, review tidbit here. And um, on Wednesdays, I always post reviews on my blog of books I read. Um, I try to kind of in, in help independent authors as well. So once in a while, I'll post um, independent authors on there. Um, hopefully soon, I will be having a kind of a mainstream author as a guest po as a guest um, on my blog. Lauren Willig um, offered to, I'd asked her and she said yes, to um, do a guest blog for me sometime. I really, really enjoy her books. The last one I read by her was The Summer Country, set in Barbados, and you can read the review on my blog if you just scroll back a couple weeks. Um, also, something new I'm going to be doing for um, reviews is that I've joined um, a club, a book club called the Coffee Pot Book Club, and you can find them online. I think it's just coffeepotbookclub.blogspot.com. If you go to my website, jennyknipfer.com, um, on one of the sidebars, if you're on a traditional computer or if you're on an iPhone iPhone, you'll probably have to scroll down toward the bottom. But there'll be an icon that says coffee pot blog or book book, book oh goodness, coffee pot book club host. So I'm going to be um, a host for um, several authors coming up, one in September and one in November. And I will post more about that on Instagram and Facebook and such. Um, just if you're not connected with me on social media, it's a great way to connect with me. You know, I love to interact with um, readers and readers that read my own books or just readers in general, other authors. Please do so. If you visit my website, all the social icons are on my website and you can easily click on them and be led to where you will find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and I'm also um, Goodreads and, and such is on there as well. So thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Jenny, signing off at Jenny Kniff for Author Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I hope something I've said has resonated with you and encouraged or blessed you on your particular path. Remember, despite your circumstances, you can choose to make it a beautiful day. Mm-hmm.